Welcome to Library Media Chatter, the podcast that recognizes January 1st not for the new year, but as International Public Domain Day. Oh my God. <laughs> Greg, I was going to ask you about any resolutions you might have, but that's boring, and I'm pretty sure we covered it last year. Oh, yeah. Instead, what I want to know is, what piece of public domain art is your favorite? Ooh. Well, I will say I... um was very excited that I think it was, it might've actually been last year, but well, I guess this year at the beginning of 2023, I think Sherlock Holmes finally became totally, completely fully in the public domain and the Holmes estate, the Conan Doyle, the Conan (laughs) Doyle estate. Yeah. The the Holmes estate came out of the pages and said, we are people too. If anything, it would have been the Watson estate, but I really listen. I mean, that's true. No, the Conan Doyle estate is notoriously litigious. And like, apparently, even though like the very first story had been in the public domain, you know, which meant they had still been suing people and basically extorting money out of people just (laughs) by scaring them, right? They'd like send them these these threatening letters and get some money out of them. And so anyway, I'm glad that their iron grip on on his creations has been broken. And I'm looking forward to... A flurry of unauthorized homes. <laughs> what about you? What's your favorite piece of public domain art? Um, mine like is... Sherlock Holmes and the Call of Cthulhu was one I just saw. Not even joking. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a rich Victorian yeah. world to be explored. Out oh, there. I love that. Yeah. You know, I, part of me wants to say that like Mickey Mouse is in the oh, public domain, gosh. but I, I don't really care. Like Mickey Mouse doesn't do a ton Steve for me. Steve Willie, I yeah. think, wasn't yes. that the yes. one you were thinking The about. one specific Mickey Mouse from the yeah. one specific whatever. Um, <laughs> I think for me, to be honest, though, it's forever and always happy birthday, finally making it into public is, is domain. Is it finally in the public yes. domain? Yes. A, a few oh, years nice. ago, it got in. Uh, yeah. The fact that somebody wrote that song will always baffle me. It just feels like if there's yeah. one piece of art, and I'm going to call it art, uh, that should be public <laughs> domain. making a lot of stretches here, yeah. but okay. <laughs> it's it's the thing that literally everyone sings all yeah. the time, every yeah. day of the year. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Whoever you are that wrote Happy Birthday. And how dare you. And how yeah. dare you. Yeah. It's my favorite thing in TV shows. Yeah. Where you'd see, like, why are they not just singing Happy yeah. Birthday in that yeah. scene? Like, oh, no, they can't. It's literally yeah. illegal for them. It costs them too much money to secure the rights oh my to God. sing Happy Birthday. <laughs> well, now they can combine it with Sherlock Holmes, if oh, they so choose. Sherlock Holmes and the happiest of birthdays. <laughs> I'm very excited for that one. From okay, your well, mouth to that's Cthulhu's all we got for ears, you guys Greg. This month. We'll see you next month. Yeah, we did it. We've done yeah. it. All right. Yeah. Well... Speaking of things that are not in the public domain, but we'll celebrate them today anyway. Greg, what are you reading? Well, listen, Dan, you already know I'm on a Stephen King uh, binge because I talked about last month, Fairy Tale, which I loved. And this month, I'm going to tell you about Holly, which I liked. I'm not going to say it to love because, okay, so if real quick. Is it a Christmas-based story? No, that would, first of all, involve Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. No, yep. if you have you read the Mr. Mercedes books? Do you know I have those? not. Okay, no. so that was really like it was. When I'm more of a Mr. Those... Hyundai guy, Greg. I work in public education. I Listen, clear same. About you that. don't have to tell me. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Mr. Mercedes so, is a real fantasy. 
<laughs> We're going to edit this down for... <laughs> I don't think so. No, so, okay, Mr. Mercedes, I think was like a real turning point for him. Like it brought in like a new generation of readers because it was different from what he, a lot of what he'd been doing. It was, it's a, it's really a crime story. It's crime fiction. Okay. And uh, one of the like most loved characters from that is a woman named Holly. And then she kind of takes on her own life after that. So this is a book just about Holly, which we really haven't had before. It's a great story. It's about, this is not a spoiler. It is about um, college professors who are also cannibals. <laughs> and um, So it's, uh, yeah, it's just wild. They're in their 80s too. That's the best part. They're like, um, it's this married, anyway, it's a, it's a great <laughs> premise. It's yeah. creepy. It's like one of the scariest first chapters I've read in a long time. It's a, I think it's a great title to have along with that Mr. Mis- Mr. Mercedes collection. But here's my one but. Um, it's set during COVID and he really leans into it. And I okay. just did not love reading about masks and yeah. reading about, there's a lot of time spent showing people who did not believe in masks or yeah, yeah. believe COVID was a thing. And I just was like, you know, this was a great story. I didn't need it. You know, yeah. I didn't need that. And so I lived it. Yeah. I didn't like it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, you had less cannibalism the first time. There so was maybe, significantly yeah. less. There was. A... Yeah. All right. What about you? What are you reading? Um, I am reading a graphic novel called, it's a graphic memoir actually called okay. One in a Million by okay. Claire Lorden. Okay. Um, it was about, or is still about, uh, her experience as a teenager with uh, a, for a long time, undiagnosed illness. Oh, interesting. And kind of dealing with the symptoms and going to doctor's visits and her parents are both doctors. So they're trying to figure stuff out and she's in and out of school. And she's kind of like, what is that experience like when she's in the hallways or in the classroom or trying to keep up with stuff and whatever. And then she finally gets diagnosed and how does that go? And it's not just like we diagnosed it and we've solved it and you're good. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Just continual, continual process uh, of having this, uh, a very rare disease like that's where one in a million comes from um yeah what is the do you remember what the disease is i want to say maybe cushing's oh yeah i haven't heard of that it I was a know. thing that i was not familiar with i yeah. didn't watch a lot of house so i don't have a lot of uh, room in my brain for rare diseases uh being diagnosed by uh british men and with canes um, <laughs> Boy, but that, it was just that uh, sentence just kept yeah. going. <laughs> you no, know, the best ones always do, Greg. Um, oh, I love it. it was a, it wasn't like an overly like maudlin. It wasn't. Yeah. Like, oh man, I feel terrible for you. It, yeah. it was just kind of. Now I have a, maybe a better understanding of what this experience is like for any number of people and and students that you've had that didn't maybe have this exact situation, but that like whatever this problem is, it doesn't just get solved. Um, It takes a while to get there. And then even when you get there, it takes a while beyond that. Uh, Her afterward talks about the fact that she's like, I'm still dealing with a lot of these symptoms. um, And a lot like this is, I'm taking this medicine for the rest of my life and whatever. And there's good days and bad days and that kind of thing. I've not read anything like that in this, in the graphic novel space Mm -hmm. specifically, but I don't know in anywhere uh, I don't seek out a lot of biographies and memoirs in that kind of vein. Mm-hmm. And I imagine our students probably also don't. 
but I thought this one in the format that it was in yeah. and the way that the story's told, um, it felt, I don't want to say felt easier, okay. uh, but as a read, it was not like I'm picking up a 300 page book yeah. and I'm going to have to sit with this person through every doctor's appointment. I'm going to have to read <clears throat> yeah. all the details, whatever I'm getting all this pictorially and, and wonderfully done the emotion comes across very well, but it was a, I could get in it and out of it. I don't, I don't know what the right word is here. I could get in and out of it a little bit quicker yeah. and in, a, in a way that like it made its impact. And I like, I very much enjoyed the book. Yeah. And it stuck with me uh, very much, but I'm not like, as I'm reading it, I'm not like, Oh man, I don't want to go to another doctor's appointment with this person. I like, mm-hmm. I get it. I just, mm-hmm. I, I can't be here anymore. Yeah. Um, I was able, I think more, I could be more empathetic while I was reading because I wasn't ever feeling overwhelmed. I was going to say like a a lot of the times with those, it made me think of, you know, all the kids that like those books about struggle or like adversity in various forms. Yeah. And I often find them so emotionally exhausting that I just need a break. Yeah. And it sounds like that form, the graphic novel format kind of, eases that burden i that is a great way to say it yes 100 percent, yes because so, i I'm with you. Yeah, I don't seek yeah. those books out yeah no so no it was uh a, it was a, a child little... called it yeah <laughs> nope no nope none of those no, no yeah not for us so that's what we're um, not reading uh <laughs> that's a new segment we're gonna yeah. do <laughs> what am i never gonna read but i do think i mean like there is that audience right like there's that yes. audience that wants to re- and there's that audience that's really interested in medical mysteries so i mean yes. this is gonna i think this will find a good readership you know yeah i hope so uh i was really i was really pleased and excited uh to add it to our collection soon yeah that's really cool that's really cool all right well let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back This episode is brought to you by the Dewey Decimal number 822.3, which means it's time for the game that will never be a part of the public domain, mostly due to lack of public interest, (laughs) Do We Know Our Dewey? (laughs) I'm going to name books with call numbers that start 822.3, and Greg is going to guess what that section is all about. Highlights from this Dewey number include Women of Will, Following the Feminine in Shakespeare's Plays by Tina Packer. Mm. Measure for Measure by William Shakespeare. Good old Billy. Yolo Juliet by Brett Wright. That sounds terrible. (laughs) And The Bedside Bathtub and Armchair Companion to Shakespeare by Dick Riley. Greg, what's the theme of this section? Well, listen, I mean, I want to jump in and just say Shakespeare, but I also see that there's like the first title you told me that i heard you tell me sounded like it was criticism it was about women like women in shakespeare and then there was one i don't know what yolo juliet is but maybe like an advice book based on shakespeare interesting and then the bedside bathtub and armchair companion to shakespeare sounds like a book i would buy my dad for his holiday or birthday (laughs) uh boy let me think here I'm going to go with one of my favorite words. I love it. Shakespeareana. Oh. That's not what it is. But it's I'm, not what it ballpark? is. No, I mean, obviously, yes. Uh, what, <laughs> what I thought was really interesting in this uh, category, according to the Bridgewater College Library Services, is that 822.3 is categorized as English drama of the Elizabethan period 
1558 to 1625. Okay. Which is really just the long way of saying the works of Shakespeare, the greatest public <laughs> domain artist of all time. Well, you did, I mean, okay, I should have thought a little bit more broadly, but um, I'm going to just say, as I'm, I'm going to stick with Shakespeareana just because I like yes. that word. I'm well, just going to... Yeah. I think that Dewey should change it. Yeah, we'll um, send a letter to... Mrs. Bridgewater's College of the yes. Library Sciences or whatever yes. it's called. I, I'd like to know, uh, Greg, if you have a time, you can update us in the next episode. Do you have anything non-Shakespeare in your 822.3? Oh, I'll do a quick um, check, yeah. Because we do not. Everything is Shakespeare or Shakespeare-related. Okay. Uh, there's not a lot of other uh, dramatists of the time that we have at the high school level. For, like, there's not a lot of asking for it. Uh, so basically, we have Shakespeare, and that's it. Well, you know, and I know you know, that I love a cliffhanger on this podcast. Sure. Yeah, we're, don't so look we, this up right now. No, that's the bait and hook for next episode. Yeah. And Tune Margaret, in next month. Margaret, don't spoil it. <laughs> uh, I do want to point out for our loyal listeners, the chatterboxes out there. Uh, Yolo Juliet is phenomenal. What is it? Uh, Yolo Juliet is part of the OMG Classics series. Okay. Uh, which I believe you may have in your library. I know that we have some of them or okay. all of them in both of mine, and I own them personally. There's four Shakespeare plays. There's one about gods and goddesses. There's a couple other uh, okay. out there that are all like told through social media or told through oh, crazy. Uh, text messaging and told through what like it's very how do you get Romeo and Juliet but told in a very modern like with emojis and stuff yeah. it's, they're ridiculous and funny and weird but and they're like 80 pages I, feel like, I love them is there one for um, Pride and Prejudice I feel like I, I might think have there seen, is yes. I think I may have seen this now that you say that yeah there's um, Hamlet uh, Macbeth Okay. Midsummer and uh, Romeo and Juliet are the four Shakespeare ones that I know. And then there's like a Greek gods and goddesses one. Oh, okay. So yo, don't sleep on YOLO Juliet and the okay. other OMG classics. <clears throat> I'm glad you told us about that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and we're glad that Dewey considers sponsoring this <laughs> and all of our episodes. So thank you to Dewey. Yes. Thank you, Dewey. So now it is time for the next segment notice how i didn't lead that in as anybody's favorite i don't know whose favorite it is but it is you cannot argue with the fact that it is the next that's true segment yes. of the show yes what are you doing and i'm going to start by asking dan what are you doing uh, so recently we have been putting together uh tutorials and uh materials for teachers and students to access learning express library uh, which we okay. have through ebsco and mornet there is a ton of stuff in the world of Learning Express for yeah. high school, college, preparing for tests, preparing for life, whatever. Yeah. So for us, it started out of uh, in April, we do the like everybody, every junior in the building takes the ACT. And that's expanded now to some take the ACT a lot. Probably the majority take the ACT. Some take the work keys. Some take the ASVAB. Yeah. And I think in one of my buildings, some take the AccuPlacer. So we were looking for a way to make sure that everybody was exposed to these things. How can yeah. we make sure that kids have these test prep materials 
brainstorming with my principal about it, um, realizing that if we did this as individual lessons in classes, how do you time that out? And how do you do it in a way that one group doesn't get it two months in advance and forget about it? And one group doesn't get it the day before they take right. the test right. um, and feel like they got kind of the short end of the stick on that. <clears throat> Yeah. So we put together some videos on how to access those things and kind of what you can see in them and the wealth of practice tests and review materials and all of that. So you that know, was kind of where it started. Go ahead. Well, so the part that I'm most curious about is, that I want to loop back to is you were talking about this with your principal. So tell me more about that. Because <laughs> to me, no, I'm serious. Like we we would love to be more kind of involved and supporting the building at the building level. And those conversations do not happen organically for us, it seems like. And I okay. I don't know that I'm I I don't want to speak out of turn and say that they never happen, but I would I'm just curious about that. Can you just tell us more about that? Like what sure. did that look like? To be honest, I I think uh I was sending emails back and forth on a handful of things, some things related to libraries, some things related to student council, yeah, questions about kind of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And finally it's like, can we just meet? Rather than continuing to send these emails, we'll just have one meeting. We'll set aside time. And it was one of the times uh, that it wasn't interrupted by a thousand different emergencies because that <laughs> stuff happens. Um, I like I can't imagine living that life yeah. and trying to, to no. schedule anything. So we were able to meet. And as we were talking about exactly what you said, being more kind of connected to and involved with these building wide initiatives, uh, Learning Express came up that we were talking about yeah. ACT test day. Yeah. I'm like, well, there's all this stuff here that we used to go, Sandy would go into a bunch of classes uh, and do this. And I don't know if maybe teachers just went, oh, well, now I know how to do this. I'll work this in whenever I feel like it, as opposed right. to needing the librarian to come in. And as we were talking, he suggested, "Yeah, what if you guys went in and did lessons on it so that kids could see it directly? And then that became exactly what I said before, right? How do mm -hmm. we time that out? We were talking a little bit more, and I said, well, let me just go work with Sandy and kind of fell into making these screencast videos that would address all of these different tests that kids are taking or potentially taking uh, and going from there. And it was, yeah, it was really just kind of a, a conversation about a lot of things. Yeah. And as anybody that listens to this knows, a conversation uh, can go in a lot of directions that were unplanned <laughs> and unscripted. Uh, and we ended up in a really good place about how to kind of get there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so now we're just trying to figure out how do we roll out or how do we let people know about all of the other things yeah. that are there that aren't something <clears throat> that like, hey, you have a thing that's coming up in a month. Right. Here's the thing that you should use for it. But they yeah. have skills improvement stuff on yeah. the website that are like, hey, you're taking biology. Here's some things that you don't have. If you don't have time for tutoring or you don't have time to whatever, here's things that can help you through that. Or the oh, same cool. in like six or seven different math classes. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah. They have stuff on writing a resume and writing a cover letter and yeah. computer skills and like certification and licensure exams for different careers. Uh, there's just all kinds of stuff there. Yeah. We're just trying to figure out kind of now the next step is how do we get those other pieces out to the world uh, in a meaningful way? That's not just me making 7,000 screencast videos. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's kind of the tricky question. I feel like I'm always trying to think about is how do I make people aware of this thing? Yeah. 
because I send out an email and I, my, my guess is what happens with most of those emails is it's opened and archived or deleted before they even finish reading it, you know, like, and I get it. They're busy. They've got things to do, but I really, or they read it and they forget because they have 10 kids who just came in, you know what I mean? But I like that idea. I think maybe a place that maybe uh, we could kind of run with that is the AP side, because I don't know that any of them really use it. And math is another good one. Different AP test prep things for 23 different. Mm -hmm. So practice Mm -hmm. tests for 23 different AP courses. It's not all the AP courses, but 23 different ones. And then they have like flashcards and study interactives and all these other things. Oh, that's cool. So for now, it's all loaded in our Canvas page. We have a library Canvas. Our district uses at the high school level uses Canvas. Yeah. Um, So we've got a button that gets you to our test prep stuff. But I could see like, yeah, I mean, I could see kind of the the time-based nature of what you're saying, you know, like I could see that being a good way of levering people into into letting me do something. And so, yeah, I think that's a great idea. That's really, and we, I mean, I talked to teachers about learning express. You and I were talking about this before we started recording. Like, yeah, it's not that we're, it's not on our radar or we're not, but like, I just love that idea that you had to make this, you know, I don't know if universal is the right word, but to kind of really reach out and make it part of your outreach, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. Put it in emails, like to the staff, put it in uh, a specific thing to AP teachers, a specific yeah. thing to counselors and principals. So when kids yeah. come in and go, Hey, I need to get my score up or how come I'm whatever. Yeah. Everybody has access to this stuff. Yeah. And then again, it's housed in our canvas. So I, it, I'm exactly, I feel the same way that you do that. I'm sure I send an email and two thirds or more just go, Nope. Yeah, and delete it, and yeah. I get it. Your life is yeah. what your life is. That you have time or you don't. So yeah, but yeah. hopefully, no, um, that's a great idea. I, yeah, thank you for telling us about that. I love that. Yeah, and it, like that that stuff through Mornet. There's a ton there, so yeah, I just keep discovering new things. Okay, I think it's time to talk about what's in the reader's nook. Okay, Greg, this month we are talking about murder among friends. How Leopold and Loeb Tried to Commit the Perfect Crime by Candace Fleming. Uh, Let me give the brief synopsis, uh, and then we'll dive right in. Taking readers back to 1924, this shocking true crime story follows two 18-year-old college students who kidnapped and murdered a child they both knew, their trial, and how a renowned defense attorney enabled them to avoid the death penalty. Greg, initial thoughts? Do you want me to start with this one? Where do you want Um, to go? I'll do, I can do it real quick. I mean, I I thought it was a very solid true crime story about a case that has been talked about a lot. You know, I mean, I, I don't know that this book, I don't know the the other literature, so it's hard to know. Um, But I knew this story and I didn't feel, there was just nothing that was outstanding about it. Does that seem, does that make sense? I mean, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. We'll put it in our true crime section. Kids will come and read it when they because they all want to read true crime. I think a lot of the things that made it sensational 100 years ago, though, don't translate to it feeling sensational now. Yeah. And um, and I think the author acknowledges some of that. Yeah, I agree. That like in the time this was they were saying these things because that was a way to code something to the like general public about these people. Yes. So, okay, what do you think? I mean, it's well researched anyway. All yeah. that stuff. No, I so I went into this knowing the mm-hmm. names Leopold and Loeb. Like I felt like there was some type of 
somewhere in my brain I have mm-hmm. some idea of what this is, mm-hmm. but I had no recollection of details right. uh, or anything like that. So I thought it started off very well. Uh, the first chapter kind of sets the stage or the scene of them kidnapping or like planning on doing this. Yeah. And then it kind of works its way through the whole process through kind yeah. of what they did, yes. to how they made the decision and what the investigation was like and what their lives are like, just very yeah. thorough. Yeah. Um, It's a hundred year old story. Yeah. Like you said, it's research that's out there. Right. Uh, and I thought she does a great job of compiling things and putting it in a way yes. that was uh, very readable. Yes. Uh, it didn't feel like a textbook. It didn't feel no. like I'm just getting a list of facts. Right. Um, but you are dealing with much older material. Yeah. So trying to kind of put that in a, I don't know, it's not like spine tingling. You're not reading it and your right. heart's pounding or whatever. Right. But I, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, yeah. as much as I, I, I'm not a big true crime reader. Right. Until this section of Dogwoods this year. <laughs> uh, I've, I've read three now, and that might be three more than I had read previously uh, in this type of book. And yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I think if you are a student or if you're younger and don't know anything about this or older and don't know anything about this, yeah, uh, you will certainly come away having an understanding of why it's a famous trial. And yeah. there was a lot of like, oh, wait, yeah. this? Oh, yeah. man, these kids are weird. <laughs> like, and not yeah. like weird, like the way that they thought about themselves. Yeah. And the way that yeah. they kind of carried themselves. And there was a little bit of this sounds maybe not like it's a hundred years old, like that there are people in the world that still kind of think I yes. get to do what I want because yeah. I have these qualities. Yeah. So yeah, I think I probably enjoyed it a little bit more than you did, but it's very, I think you're absolutely right. You put it in true crime and the kids that are into this stuff. Yeah. Are read it. Uh, I, like, I really don't have any complaints. I thought it was, yeah. yeah, it was a good read. <clears throat> it's exactly what you think it's going to be. My favorite part is the picture of Clarence Darrow at, in the courtroom. And it says, Clarence Darrow looking typically disheveled. And I was like, man, you just summed up a lot. Yes. Like that was. Yep. It should have just said like Clarence Darrow, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> this is who he was. This is what he looked like. Just, you know, everybody knows Clarence. I mean, but yes, I would say every time our, we always have language arts classes that do nonfiction units, our true crime section never has enough titles yeah. during those units. So I'd say definitely worth adding to your collection if you don't have it. All right. So I'm going to take a moment to uh, knock two more birds out with this stone yes. here. Yeah. Uh, there are two other true crime, very similar in the nature of the writing <clears throat> uh, books that were in the high school dogwoods this year. One is called Hanged, and mm-hmm. it is about Mary Surratt, uh, the first woman who was executed by the federal government. Um for her role in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, yeah. yeah. So a hundred-year-old story with Leopold and Loeb, you're getting some dry stuff. It's a little whatever. Hanged, very dry. Um, <laughs> very <mummified>. slow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also kind of surprising how many details they get about the life of this woman and the right. people in her world. Right. Um, so that if if you're like... Leopold and Loeb, uh, Murder Among Friends. I wish that it just was a little bit slower paced than Hanged is for you. <laughs> On the other end of that spectrum was Bone Deep, which I will be honest, 
was probably the book I was looking forward to reading the least okay. of the Dogwoods. When we did okay. the draft last year, yeah. uh, I might have even said that directly, that yeah. <laughs> I was not interested. And I'm not kidding. My heart was pounding oh. as I was reading this book. Okay. Um, partially because I didn't really know anything about it. It's about the the murder of Betsy Faria by Pam Hupp um, that happened in um, the O'Fallon area in Troy, uh, oh, Missouri. Okay. This is like 10 years ago in the area oh, that we wow. live. Yeah. So I felt like maybe I should have known more about it. I just didn't. But that one is, it is propulsive. Like it yeah. moves. You are getting details. You're feeling like, I can't believe this is happening. Okay. Oh my God. Is that really what the police are trying to do? Oh my God. Is that what the attorney just said? Like just very, I don't know. I was, I was well, I'm looking forward excited to it. while reading that one yeah. the whole time. Oh, very cool. Um, so if, Murder Among Friends was a little slow for you. Bone Deep <laughs> moves much quicker uh, and will will keep you kind of following as you go. Oh, so cool. I think the Dogwoods did a good job of getting true yeah. crime. We don't get a yeah. lot of those uh, yeah. with the Dogwoods. So that was kind of exciting. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right. Next month, we're going to be discussing In the Wild Light by Jeff Zentner, one of the gateways. We're going to head back to the world of fiction uh, in the February episode. So if you want to keep up with us and read that one. Uh, and if you have thoughts on this book or Hanged, Murder Among Friends, Bone Deep, any of the things that we've talked about, remember that you can always send us an email to librarymediachatter at gmail.com. We're going to take a quick break and be back to wrap things up. This episode of Library Media Chatter is brought to you by The Cardigans. Not the sweaters. This show isn't some kind of cliche. I'm <laughs> talking about the Swedish pop band. Remember Love Fool from Romeo and Juliet? Oh of course you do. Love me, love me, say that you love me. Fool me, <laughs> fool me, go on, fool me. I don't care about anything but you. That song is great. Head to your public library and check out their two-disc, 46-track best Holy of album. Cow. Seriously, that's, that exists. Thank you, <laughs> The Cardigans. Welcome back to the podcast. We have just enough time for What's Next, where we highlight a new book we're excited about but have not yet read. Greg, what's next? All right, this has been on my radar since, I don't know, maybe the summer or the spring. Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros, or Yaros, I'm not sure how you say her last name. This is a... I'm sure I she'll think, write in and let us know. Yeah, well, you know my greatest fear is these authors <laughs> ever listening to this podcast. <laughs> it is, I think, maybe more of a new adult fantasy than it is a YA fantasy. Uh, I know there's dragons involved, dragon writing is involved... Uh, and apparently this has been making the rounds on uh, Book Talk, I okay. think is where it's gotten a lot of press. So we actually have a copy already that we're circulating, but I am looking forward to reading this and kind of trying to figure out what the hype is all about. So I'm looking forward to hearing about it because I told Greg before we started recording, I had never heard of the book before last week uh, when Jess said something to me about it. I'm like, I don't know. I, this is yeah. not a world that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Uh, not huge into dragon books, but Greg is really our dragon expert. So he, when he comes back next month or maybe in a few months, who knows how long it'll take to read it. These dragon yeah, books will be very certain, long. It's, it's massive. It looks yes. huge. So. so get ready. We got a lot of cliffhangers this episode. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and with that, remember, read responsibly. Use a bookmark.